Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Let's join together for prayer and ask God to bless us as we do. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You and praise You for Your great love. And we thank You for once again allowing us to study Your Word. And Lord, we pray that You would bless us with Your Spirit. And Lord, help us to, to grow closer to You. And help us, Lord Father, to, to understand and know the desires of Your heart for us. And Lord, we just pray that You would help us uh, in our spiritual walk and in the daily battle with sin. And Lord, help us to, to do all that we can. Uh, to uh, please you and to glorify you and to lift you up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The last couple of weeks we've been looking at the Holy Spirit and we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit works and moves in our life. And if you'll turn back with me to Romans chapter 8 once again, we've been looking at this passage of Scripture and mining all of the uh, juicy golden nuggets of all the things that are in here about the Spirit of God. And I want to look at, at uh, Romans chapter 8 once again and see uh, this uh, passage uh, once again as we study uh, uh, about the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 of, of Romans chapter 8 says, For as many as are led... By the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, the heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. And if so, be that we suffer with Him, that he may be also glorified together. And this, we uh, looked at this passage of Scripture, this, these verses a couple of weeks ago when we looked at this passage about uh, what it means to be a child of God, what it means to, to be uh, a part of the, uh, to have the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and for so many people, again, uh, uh, just to renew you about uh, what we were talking about, for so many people, uh, they feel as though the Holy Spirit is all about uh, gifting of the Holy Spirit, of gifting to be able to do certain things, the gift of, of this and a gift of that. But uh, we get so wrapped up in those, uh, those gifts of, of how we might serve God and, and be used by God in the body of Christ that we fail to realize that there's so many aspects of what the Holy Spirit does within us as uh, children of God, as people of God, that we fail to, to realize all that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is not some fairy that runs around and gives gifts to people and says, Bink, you're able to do this, and boop, uh, bippity boppity boop, you're able to do this, and you're able to do that, and, and those kind of things. But rather, 
the Holy Spirit has a work that He does within us. And the Holy Spirit, of course, as we uh, look back at all of our understanding of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit that He conducts within our life to begin with as a way of review is, is to remember that the initial work of the Holy Spirit is conviction of our heart, the conviction of our sin, the conviction of a need for a Savior, a conviction of the fact that we're not right with God. And, and once we fall under the conviction of God that we uh, are sinners, that we are not living according to His desire and His plan for us, then the Holy Spirit begins to work to move us to a relationship with Jesus Christ, to move us to an understanding of a need for a Savior and that Jesus Christ is the one who is able to meet that need in our life. That Jesus Christ is the one that paid the, uh, the price of sin on the cross for us and that we might find that salvation uh, that our, our life desperately needs. And, and that was what the, uh, uh, the Israelites missed with uh, the understanding of the law of Moses and all the law of uh, the Ten Commandments and all that was not so uh, a guideline on how we should live as uh, we've seen in other passages of Scripture, but rather to point out to us how great we need a Savior, how great we uh, need someone to come along and take away our sins because uh, basically the Ten Commandments is a, is a, a way of, of laying out for us that we're not perfect. There's not one of us that can live by the, the demands of God on us to, to live uh, in a way that is pleasing to God. There's not a one of us that's able to do any of those things. And then Jesus enters into the picture in the New Testament and He tells uh, those in the Pharisees and the Sadducees that thought they had it all wrapped up and even had a, a, a list of 600 more uh, laws to keep in order to keep the Ten Commandments. He said, you know, you think you've got it all wrapped up, but then He says, you know, if you have hatred in your heart, then you've already uh, murdered your brother. If you have lust within your heart, you've already committed adultery. When you uh, covet those things that your neighbor has and desire those things that he has, you've already stolen that item within uh, in your heart. And those sins are just as bad as the sins of going out and doing... You know, the, the Pharisees thought, well, if, if I don't walk a certain amount of, of miles a day that I can keep from working on, uh, on the Sabbath day and then that'll help me to uh, keep the Sabbath day holy. If I uh, do this and I do that, then those things will help me to fulfill this other law. And Jesus says, uh, you've missed the point. You've missed it completely. That none of us are, uh, are able to fulfill the law in our own self. But we are to see that as God working uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin, convict us of our need for a Savior. And then once we have that relationship with Jesus Christ, then we begin to see some of the other aspects of the Holy Spirit working and moving in us to make us uh, uh, into the new creation that God desires for us to to transform our lives through the grace of God uh, in, uh, through sanctification of making us into the creation that God desired for us to be all along and, and uh, bringing us to justification. And I always uh, was taught as a young child that justification is, uh, is Jesus Christ, God uh, bringing about in me 
making me just as if I had never sinned. And that's what justification is. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit to, to change us and transform us into the creation that God desired for us to be. And, uh, from the very beginning, uh, before sin entered into the world, God desired for us to have a relationship with Him. God desired for us to have a love for God and have a desire to walk in His way and to do the things as God would have us to do. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us after we come to know Him as Lord and Savior. Then we see also in Romans chapter 8 that the further work of the Holy Spirit is, uh, and we're shown this throughout Scripture, that God seals us into the day in which He comes to uh, bring us back into His uh, presence the work of the Holy Spirit is to seal us unto that day, to seal us in that right relationship, to, to keep us from uh, being reclaimed by the world by sealing us. And part of that is through the work of sonship. And the work of the Holy Spirit is, is that we might understand that when we become a child of God, for, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. We need to uh, understand that God's work within us and the work of the Holy Spirit is to help us to understand that we're more than just free slaves. You know, when, uh, when we look at uh, the experience of a person that has the bondage of sin. The bondage of sin is like being enslaved to sin, that, we're, uh, that we think that we're doing the things that we desire, and we think that we're doing the things that, that we want to do, but in reality, that we're in the bondage to, sl- to sin, we're in bondage to Satan, and we're doing his bidding and his desire in our life. But here comes uh, the Holy Spirit, convicts us of our sin, and Jesus Christ pays the price for our sin on the cross, and then we're freed from that bondage. We're freed from that sin. We're freed from the penalty of that sin. Uh, The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And uh, uh, God desires that we would understand that we have been freed and liberated from that sin. And that's all a part of what we were talking about this morning of walking in the light, not walking in the darkness, that we're no longer a part of the sinful life of the darkness of this world, but we are instead children of the light, that we're uh, children of God, and we're uh, called to live and to walk in His presence, to walk in His light. And that is part of what it means to be a child of God. The Holy Spirit brings us into a relationship with God, and that's, that's the wonderful thing about what it means to be a child of God, that we're not just simply freed from our sin, just simply said, uh, God doesn't just come along aside us and say, okay, you are no longer in the bondage of sin. You're free to go. Go ahead and go. He does more than that. He tells us not only are we free from our sin, we have a new relationship with Him, a relationship of love that goes beyond just simply us being liberated by God from the bondage of sin, but now we are a child of God. We're uh, we're born into the family, that we are adopted into the family of God, and we're made uh, into uh, that family as a child of God. 
No longer are we seen as a foreigner. No longer are we seen as an alien living in a world that is uh, 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 where we are cast out by uh, uh, because of our sin away from God. We are no longer seen as, uh, as the uh, interloper, but we are brought in to a relationship with God that is intimate, a relationship that goes beyond just simply a mere friend, goes beyond simply uh, being receiving a, a gift from God as a benefactor would. A king would come in and a king would make a covenant with an individual and bequeath that individual with uh, something that only the king could give and could never be repaid. But God goes even beyond a covenant relationship with us. And everybody in, uh, uh, in Paul's day would realize and understand the covenant that God made with Abraham. That God changed and transformed Abram's life and Sarah's life to that of Abraham and Sarah. And it brought them into a relationship that wasn't because of something that Abraham did. It wasn't because of something Sarah did. It was something that God gave them. And they all, all Israelites cling to that covenant relationship that God made with Abraham. And now uh, Paul is sharing with, uh, with not only uh, the Israelites, but also with Gentiles about a new relationship that God has that goes beyond the covenant. Well, you say, well, how can God give us even more than what a king would bequeath us that was so great? And that is to make us a child of the king. The child of a king is someone who is an heir. The child of a king is one who uh, 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 isn't on the outside looking in at the opulence of the king, but rather is, is, is brought to the king's table, invited to sit at the table, and, and has a rightful place there beside the king and enjoys all the, uh, the benefits and the largesse of the king. Not because he has earned it, but because he is a child of the king. Look at the relationship that King David had with, with Saul's uh, uh, son. Now remember Saul was the king and Saul uh, uh, was the first king of Israel and Saul uh, had a, a right relationship with God at first and then his heart changed, his heart turned. He began to worry about what everybody else thought rather than what God thought. Uh, Saul began to oh, fall away from God and the, and the Bible tells us the Spirit of God left Saul. And about that time, uh, Samuel was called to go out and to anoint David as king. Because Saul would not have an heir on the throne, and all of and, and remember that David was was uh, brought into the uh, the uh, the palace to play for Saul because Saul's spirit was so troubled. Why? Because the Spirit of God troubled his heart because uh, he wasn't right with God. And so David would play on his harp, and Saul would uh, whenever Saul would be troubled. David developed a relationship with Jonathan. Now, Jonathan had a, a son, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth was uh, one of the sole survivors of King Saul. Mephibosheth was just a child when, uh, when David took over and, 
they were so afraid for Saul's life, uh, for Mephibosheth's life, that he, his uh, uh, nursemaid w- uh, tried to carry him out, and he was dropped. And because of that, forever he had a problem with his legs. He couldn't uh, walk on his own, and he had to be carried around. When David came into his uh, kingdom and when David came in and established his, his uh, palace in Jerusalem, David said, I want to find a, uh, uh, an heir to King Saul to, to give him, uh, uh, to pay tribute to him as God's anointed, but also uh, to demonstrate my love for uh, Jonathan, his son, that he cared so much for. Mephibosheth was brought before King David. And of course, Mephibosheth thought he was going to die. And David said, as long as I sit on this throne, you will have a place at the table. Mephibosheth didn't deserve it. He was brought in at the behest of the king to sit at the table and forever to have a place at the king's table right alongside of the king's sons and and daughters at the table. God did more than that. We did not only didn't deserve to be at the table, but we were uh, in our sin, we actively were enemies of God. And God says, not only do I want to save you of your sins, not only do I want to bring you to a place of forgiveness, not only liberate you from your sin, but I want you to be my child. You are adopted into the family. You have a place at the table. The Holy Spirit not only brings us to salvation, but the Holy Spirit, He causes us to be a child of the King, to be a child of God to be sons of God and daughters of God, to have us adopted into the family. We're led by the Spirit into salvation. We're led by the Spirit and made sons of God. For we've not received the spirit of bondage that we deserve, in verse 15, to fear because of what we've done, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we call out to God. Abba, Father. Abba is is a a term that is best kind of uh, uh, translated as as Daddy or Papa. Whatever you call your your father that, uh, you know, uh, we... We all have a relationship with our fathers and mothers. Some of our relationships with our fathers are more formal when other people are around. But when it's just us, it's daddy. It's papa. Whatever that word is that you used in in that uh, close relationship with your daddy, that's what Abba means. Now, realize that's what God is is allowing us to call Him. The Creator of all things. The One who's liberated us from sin. The One who sent His only Son to die on the cross so that we might be a part of the family. He says to us, I want you to call me Daddy. I want you to call me Papa. Because I love you so much. You're no longer uh, an outcast. You're no longer uh, deserving of, of be, being seen as, as, 
and realize he's saying this in the book of Romans to Gentiles, people that are not even a part of the, uh, of the tribe of Israel. And there, for Israelites, that uh, Gentiles were seen as nothing more than dogs, as, as uh, just uh, unruly, dirty, filthy, outcast people that didn't matter to anything. Now God is saying to them, to us, because we're Gentiles, we're not none of us that I'm aware of are Jewish in our background. We're Gentiles. He's saying, "Call me Papa. Call me Daddy." We we have a relationship with God that goes beyond uh, uh, the formalities, and we're made, a, we're adopted into the family. Verse 16 says, For the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. In verse 16, what he's saying is, is that in, in, in essence, it is the Holy Spirit that is guaranteeing our relationship to God. Not only is, he, is, is the Spirit of God adopted to us, but he's saying, listen, if you're ever challenged, God got you back. I've got you. If anybody ever says, no, you're not a part of the family, guess what? You just tell them to come and talk to me. It's, it's a seal of God's approval that the Holy Spirit has uh, bearing witness of our relationship. It is the Holy Spirit that expresses our witness of family relationship. Verse 17, And if a child, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. And if so, be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And what that is, is look, everybody in the church knew what happened to Jesus once He was uh, once he was crucified and once he rose from the dead, once he had spent time with the disciples and others uh, after his uh, resurrection, they all saw Jesus being raised up into the heavens. And Jesus said, I go to my Father, and he goes to the right hand of the Father, the place of honor, the place of respect, the place of honor. And Paul is saying here that in the adoption of the Holy Spirit that we are not only made we're a part of the family. He says, listen, you are, you are not going to be a red-headed stepchild. You're going to be right there beside Jesus at the place of honor, the seat of honor, the place of, of prestige that you will be uh, heirs with Jesus Christ, the one whom God exalts because He was faithful, because He He did as according to God's desire in His life. He went to the cross that we too will be seen in the same light, that we'll be joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that we'll receive not just a, uh, a slice, a little tiny smidgen, you're not going to be like those fake lords and ladies that you can go all, uh, send a bunch of money off and they'll send you a pound of dirt and say okay, and a certificate to say, oh, you're a lord of Scotland or a lord of Ireland. 
No, it's none of that fake stuff. God doesn't put a, a star out there in the sky and say, "Okay, I'm going." Uh, you can. Uh, it's not that fake stuff like you can uh, uh, name a star and everybody else in the whole United States is naming the same star. None of that fake stuff. It's not fake with God when He says you're a child of God. He means it. You're not just simply brushed aside or allowed in the door. You're put in the place of honor. Why? Because you are lost. And, and it's all summed up in that, uh, that parable that, uh, that Jesus shared about the son that went off, spent his inheritance... Then a famine came and he realized that when in the midst of feeding the hogs, being so hungry he was willing to eat what the hogs were eating. He realized that his, son, his father's servants were eating better than, and than that. So he desired to go back home to his father and, and see if his father would allow him just to be a servant, just to be hired on. Not seen as a son. Now get this. God doesn't see us as the prodigal that's gone off and sinned against Him and that we're made like a hired help. We're the son that was dead. The son that was lost. The son that, that never would have been seen again. But today, He's come home. He's come back to the Father. That Son that's, has come back and is found. That Son that's alive once again. God's desire is, is that He would honor us. Like that Father honored His Son, put on the Got him cleaned up, put on a robe, put new sandals on his feet, gave him his ring and put it on his finger and started celebrating. Because his son was dead and now he's alive. We were dead in our sins. The Holy Spirit... <coughs> Excuse me. The Holy Spirit found us brought us home. God made us alive again. And now we're a child of God. Brought in to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The work of the Holy Spirit is to transform us, to make us part of the family. To make us worthy once again. Verse 18 says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. God's desire is not to showcase the sin that we committed, but to showcase His glory that's revealed in us. The glory of the Father the glory that God's Son brought to us and made manifest in us through His 
sacrifice that we might be made whole, made children of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your love. We thank You for the fact that You gave all that we would be children of God. Lord, we pray that Your Spirit might continue to work and move in us. That we might understand that You love us so much that You made us children of the King. Lord, help us to, to worship and to celebrate the Holy Spirit in our life. The work that He does to redeem our life to sanctify us and justify us and to redeem us from our sin and to make us joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.